Hello, I'm Patrick Williams, and I am the Associate Editor for Greenhouse Management Magazine. Today I'm here with Dr. Gary Studi, who is the Principal Investigator for several spaceflight experiments designed to grow plants in microgravity. Welcome, Dr. Studi. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. And, and you'll be speaking at the International Congress on Controlled Environment Agriculture in Panama City this May, correct? Uh, that, that is uh, correct. I was at, uh, I, I spoke at the uh, fir first Congress, and I, I'm delighted to be invited back to the second. It, it, it looks to be a, a very exciting and, and informative program. Now, could you tell me a little bit about what you're going to be talking about at ICCEA Panama this year? Uh, yes, I'm going to be talking about how the, the efforts that to, to grow plants in, in space for long-duration space missions as, as we, we move off the planet towards the moon, Mars, and beyond have been uh, used and, and applied to, to the greenhouse industry, the controlled environment industry, uh, to improve growth, decrease costs, and enhance the quality of, of food. So could you tell me, how do you grow plants in space? How is it different than on Earth? Well, um, you know, that, that, um, we, we've got some particular challenges up there because, well, in, in, in space, things float. <laughs> so we're, we, we've got to the design uh, ways to tell the plants which, are, which way it is up to keep the soil from, you know, floating away, to keep water in, in the root zone, uh, manage the oxygen in, in, in the roots, so over the years, a number of different growth chambers have been designed to, to simulate the, the environment of, for, for the plants, to optimize it in, in that weightless environment. So we come up with various challenges to, to try and overcome that. What are some of the most difficult things that you find um, with this research? Well, over the years, those problems have or, or challenges have evolved. Initially, it was just learning to, to tell the plant which way was up. Because you'd plant the seed and, and a root will come up and you know, go up into the air but won't know to turn down into the soil. So that was uh, overcome with light and using what we call phototropism and colors of light so the, the roots will go in their direction that, that we want to. But over, one of our overarching problems has been, uh, or challenges, is getting water and maintaining that balance between water and nutrients and oxygen so you don't flood them, but then they don't, they don't get dry. Because unlike on, on Earth, where if I, if I pour water on, on top of the soil or I put it under underneath in, in a hydroponic system, it will wick its way, way up. Uh, if you put it on, on, the, on the soil and in space, it forms a, a ball and will, will stay where, where it's at unless we, we figure out ways to get it down to the roots. So that's been an ongoing challenge, uh, one where we're getting closer to solving and have successfully grown a number of crops on, you know, on the International Space Station. But if they're the same problems that, that we have in a greenhouse. Uh, it is getting the appropriate amount of light, 
controlling the uh, atmosphere so they're not contaminants such as ethylene. It is maintaining the temperature and humidity. Uh, there is getting the proper nutrients and water uh, balance at the different stages of growth. So many of the problems are the same that are on, on, on Earth, but the, the solutions have to be uh, modified in order to adapt to the weightless environment. Wow. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, where the research is conducted? Is it conducted here on Earth, or is it conducted in space, or both? It, it's, a, it's on, on both. There, there are typically um, three phases, uh, if, if you will, to, to a space um, flight experiment. The first is, is what we, is on, on the ground, and then on the ground we try and uh, determine how a, a plant will uh, respond in, in the environment. And that environment is typically very high in uh, CO2 enrichment because we're, we're living with humans, so the CO2 will be, uh, you know, often two, two or 3,000 uh, parts per million as we look at the temperature, uh, the, the light quality, and then we will uh, go to the, the types of environments that in growth chambers, different types of routine uh, media, evaluating how we will water them, the types of light, and once that is in place, we'll simulate that on machines that we would call a clinostat here on Earth which will spin around and simulate that response of microgravity. We kind of fool them by, by spinning them. And then finally, an experiment will be launched to, to, to space. And then there it will be evaluated, adjusted, any lessons learned, come back down, and re-engineered uh, or experiments to optimize it and repeat that experiment. So it's a combination of both. And that's really important to, to do because it's, it's difficult and expensive to, to get to space, and our opportunities to do those experiments are limited. How many plants would you say that you have sent to space over the years? How, how many plants? Yeah. Oh, there's, let's see, in... My, my, oh, let's see, I had one experiment. We sent, I think, about 150 different wheat plants. And you know, the, the different individuals, I personally sent you know, hundreds of plants up. But if you're looking at species that have been uh, grown in, span, in, in space, there's been wheat and lettuce and tomato and and soybean, uh, radishes, chard, zinnia, uh, onions. So, uh, you know, a dozen or more different species have been grown. Uh, most of those have been of some economic value, and, and many are used simply as research tools. We use a Rabidopsis, a, a, a species that is is uh, uh, a, a nice model system for many responses to space. 
and I've personally been growing um, a legume, they call Medicago truncatula. It's related to uh, alfalfa, it's clover, as a model for for the pulses or legumes. We can look at biological nitrogen fixation. So, you know, a number of different species have been grown in space. And I'd have really no idea that actual number of plants, but a lot. No, that's all right. Great. And could you tell us, just in general, why grow crops in space? What's kind of the long-term goal here? Is this for interplanetary colonization purposes or um, or not quite that, uh, you know, forward-thinking? There, there, there are two reasons. One is using microgravity as a tool to understand the, the, the response and physiology and how plant, plants grow by removing uh, gravity, which is one of these variables that has been constant through all of evolution. And through, through, and through, through that um, um, e- evolution, we can remove that response to gravity and unmask some of the opportunities of how plants respond to, to gravity, what causes them to curve, uh, how they're responding to water stress, oxygen stress. But long term, where it is understanding that, so we can support what be called biological life support systems. As we go further and further from Earth, there are four things that we need to stay alive. One, we need to remove the contaminants from the atmosphere and in a closed environment, like a closed room of a spacecraft, that's carbon dioxide. The second thing we have got to do is maintain a sufficient supply of oxygen to keep us alive. The third is provide fresh water, and finally, food. Those are the four major components of life support. And plants provide a sustainable biological life support system that through photosynthesis would take our waste carbon dioxide that we breathe, send out every time we breathe, and convert that through photosynthesis to oxygen. Through the process of transpiration, we can take our wastewater, purify that to portable drinking water, and if the crops are done select properly and we put the dials right, we produce food. So the four components to keep us alive, food, air, and water, can be provided from a biological life support system. So that's the long-term mission, and that has real application here on, on Earth, especially in, in greenhouses, where the, the necessity to you know, minimize waste and runoff, to sustain, uh, minimize energy use, to increase efficiency, recycle water, convert the resources of carbon dioxide and, and nutrients into maximum productivity and saleable uh, crops uh, is paramount. So the, those are the, the really the, the three three drivers. Now fundamental what, science. I'm, I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, we we have fundamental science, uh, long term exploration, and then application to Earth problems. 
what else would you like people who plan on attending ICCEA Panama this year, what would you like them to know ahead of time about about your uh, speech? Well, well, what I'd like them to know that they, they may, they'd be surprised at the role that NASA, which is, we, we do incredible things in, in sending, um, you know, launching rockets and going to space, that how we have looked at fundamentally affected the greenhouse and closed environment uh, industries, uh, the technologies that are enabling uh, indoor agriculture, vertical farms, uh, plant factories such as light-emitting diodes, uh, recirculating hydroponic systems, uh, beneficial microbes for, for the rhizosphere, in deep um, sensors for precise nutrient control had their roots within our exploration of space, of finding ways to improve and optimize the technology for growing plants in closed environments, how that has translated to, to these emerging industries and stable industries that are affecting our food supplies. So that's what I'd like to be the takeaway as a, as a takeaway. As we look outward into space, we're we're also helping to to feed you know the four billion people on the planet. That's fascinating, Dr. Studi. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Okay, it, it's absolutely my pleasure, and I I look look, look forward to to attending the conference and and meet, meeting. Uh, old friends and, and, and meeting new ones. Thanks.